it is the will of the Father enacted by the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who's like living in that person? Who or like dwells living? in me, yeah. right? And who chooses to use me to accomplish his purposes, just like God always does. God is That's always wild. using people, right? That's just wild. Yeah. It is the will of the Father. So think about healing. It is not God's plan A. Welcome back to the Remind Podcast. Today we're talking about the gift of healing and the gift of prophecy and how do those function in the church and why and how does God work through these things. So I'm excited to get into this with you and with Zach. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, Kyle, so I wanted to talk about two things that are a little bit more of what I would describe as the okay parts of Holy Spirit. Yes. And it would be the healing and the prophecy. We've all, or at least I think being here, being Christian for like six-ish years now, you yeah. never know the real number anymore. Um, I don't think Jesus is counting. I think it matters. Um, whatever. So in this time, I've become more and more aware of stories of like legs growing out and this being removed from people. And you yeah. know, there's movies that have been created on this stuff about yeah. the gifts of healing. Right. You know, with the, the girl falls into the tree and sees Jesus and comes back out and she has like no cancer. Yeah, sure. Um, I've never heard of that one, but it doesn't surprise me that I've just always like stories like that. I don't, know, I don't like want to laugh yeah, at it right. because it was like, you know. Yeah. Um, what, what say thee on, um, on the gifts of healing from the Holy Spirit? So one of my prayers. I'm just laughing. Why did I say that? <laughs> what, uh, that's so. also going to be in the outtakes. There's going to be some <laughs> outtakes in this one that's going to be really good. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> what is... What do you have to say, or what kind of information can you give us on the gifts of healing? Um, so, so the gift of healing we see, I mean, that's one of the things that we see Jesus doing most. One of the things we see Jesus doing most is healing people. Whether that's, you know, there's a woman with an issue of blood. She's been to doctor after doctor. She spent all her money, and then even just touching the the, the Jesus's robe, the hem of his robe, power goes out from him and she's healed. You know, he, he basically resuscitates Jairus's daughter from the dead. Um, so we see a lot of that, like lame, lepers, um, blind, Jesus is giving them physical healing. If one of my professors for seminary were here, he would say that is the eschaton interrupting in the now. It is a function of the, the end. It is a function of the kingdom that is both here and not fully arrived. Back then with Jesus? Well, back then and even today. Okay. It is, you know, in heaven, our bodies will be whole. In the new heavens and the new earth, our bodies will be whole. And so physical healing... Meaning like complete. Yes, and and lacking ailment. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, when someone experiences physical healing now, or frankly, when someone experiences emotional healing... Right, which is sometimes just as valuable as anybody with chronic depression and chronic anxiety could tell you. Um, that healing is the coming kingdom interrupted in the now. But I think, and, and so I think there's value to that. You know, so when I was in Cuba, we saw legs grow out. When I was in Cuba, um, 
I've told this story before. We're, we're in a prayer time. A guy comes forward, and uh, a friend of mine is praying over him, over his eyes. And then the guy says, would you pray for me at my leg? I've had an itch on it for 12 years. And we can figure something's going on weird in the translation. So he says, through the translator, put your hand where you're talking about. And he puts his hand over his crotch. So, like, in this moment, we're like, God is totally moving. It's we're not really powerful hands. worship. We're not laying hands. Oh, heck no. No, we did not. <laughs> Uh, we, we, you know, um, we prayed for that and he started jumping up and down and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm healed. I'm healed. You know, we didn't grab a doctor and have him go be examined in the other room. Um, but I think we do see physical healing in the Bible. We see it now. Um, you know, if a friend of mine, uh, were here to talk about this, they would say, oh, God can heal the like thing. That's one of the easiest things God can do. Oh, okay. You know, I just love that turn of a phrase. So healing. God can do, heal what? The, the, the one leg shorter than the other. Like, uh, they're always, okay. They always say to me, like, oh, that's the easy part. I mean, listen, theologically what we're saying is I that. Think Jesus says that too. Or Jesus says, like, what's easier for me to say that you're healed of your sins or, or you're, you're forgiven of your sins or, or get up and walk? Yeah, right. And like, and so, then he does both. so healing physically is the future reign of God, which has really already begun in the ministry of Jesus. We're going to talk about this this Sunday, actually, that we're living in the already, not yet. The kingdom of God is already here, but it is not yet fully here. Okay. And the full kingdom of God breaks into the now through physical healing. But again, my friend from seminary would also say, one of my professors from seminary would also say, healing and curing are two different things. Hmm. We all will die. Because sin is in our bodies. These are corrupt. We are, the mortal will have to, will one day put on the immortal, but it doesn't yet. So healing is maybe a temporary experience, but, you know, I could be healed of cancer. I could be healed of blindness. I'm still going to die. The cure is the death and resurrection of Jesus. Healing is even an application of that cure in the now ideally to set me aside for, for mission, right, and, and for witness. So we even see in the New Testament these people get healed. They go tell other people. Uh, and in the book of Acts, healing goes out to prove the apostles' message to authenticate it. And that's one of the values of healing. And prophecy, um, you mentioned earlier, prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is not, in the Old Testament term, thus saith the Lord. It is not laying down a law. It is, nor is it foretelling the future. There's two kind of prophecy in the Old Testament, foretelling and foretelling. We tend to assume there's a lot more foretelling in the Bible than there really is. That's where you get like weird, like let's examine the yeah. Bible code, right? And yeah. like every seventh letter when strung together tells us that so-and-so is going to be president. Okay, well, whatever. Um, most of the pr prophetic actions I see in the New Testament are, again, it's building up the body. If Aaron Jesse were here, he would say it's calling out the gold. It's calling out what is, not identifying always what is not. And so, you know, um, when we were at Community of Practice, uh, you know, two falls ago now, I think. Yeah, Jack was tiny. We were in that weird house. A woman came up to me at the very end of it and said, hey, listen, from the very moment you walked in to this room two days ago, you just stood out to me like God had put a spotlight over you. And she said, I don't normally operate in this kind of stuff, but I just want to tell you that like, and she like started speaking over me very specific things about you have this kind of wound. And she was asking, do you have this kind of wound? Yes. Uh, emotionally, yes. Uh, 
is this true of your life? Is this true? Yes. She said, God wants you to know that that doesn't make you less capable of loving. It makes you more capable of loving. I all started to cry because I didn't know that was something that I needed to hear, but it was something I needed to hear. And so that's part of what the prophetic is. It's, hey, I think maybe God has given me something to say for you. So last night I'm leading a huddle. And before the huddle started, I prayed that God would give me a word to pray for each one of the guys I'm discipling over the next six weeks. Pretty clearly I got boom, 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 boom. But another prophetic ministry is also that prophetic ministry of like, mm, does that sound true? Steph really is, that's where her prophetic ministry is among us, is when I say, here's an idea I have for a church. She's like, mm, I don't think so. So, you know, when COVID started and I was gonna make our whole church, our whole church do alpha for 10 weeks, she was like, nope, shut it down. <laughs> is that good for Grace Gathering to do? Is it good for others to do? Yes, is it good for you to do? No. Um, that there's also kind of maybe sometimes like a social justice bent to that too. If you think of the prophets in the Old Testament, they did often address that. But when we look at Paul talking about prophesying, it seems to be declaring a message. And I even think prophesying and preaching overlap sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll be up front, I'll have a clear sense of something I should say. Um, we could get into those more, but I mean, healing and prophecy, healing, especially kind of this interruption of the future into the present, prophesying be this kind of like encouragement ministry. And prophecy, healing, especially kind of this interruption of the future into the present, prophesying be this kind of like encouragement ministry. What do you think are some of the pain points for our congregation as, as it relates to healing? Like in your conversations with people, in your just um, your just in your mind, like what would you imagine? Or in conversations with you've been with a lot of different mm -hmm. leaders of churches. Mm -hmm. What what are the pain points that people kind of talk about? Why are again just like was, he just it's just he's just a mystery. And I think oh, so. Let me start with that. Let me start with that question. That's my question. Okay. Who does the healing? And like in a risk of being like a modalist. Sure. Right. Um, yeah. You know, how does the Holy, is it the Holy Spirit just kind of floats down and just does its, does his healing magic or, you know, you know, I'm not sure how to ask the question even, but like, I think maybe a Trinitarian way to say that would be, it is the will of the father enacted by the son through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who's like living in that person who or like dwells living? in me, yeah. right? And who chooses to use me to accomplish his purposes, just like God always does. God is That's always wild. using people, right? That's just wild. You know? It is the will of the Father. So think about healing. It is not God's plan A that someone be ill, mm -hmm. right? Or have a shriveled hand. Um, or any, any kind of disease thing. or sickness. That is not the will of God. We're living outside of the best best that God has for us. It's not his will. Through the Son, God tries to reinstate new creation to save us from that. And really, if you read the book of Acts, and we're going to make this point, really, the book of Acts should be called the, the book of the Holy Spirit, or like the works of the Holy Spirit. It is what Jesus, and, and, and Luke even introduces it as, you know, in my previous volume in the Gospel of Luke, I, I began to tell you, I, I told you all about the things Jesus began to do and teach. And the implication is, and here in this volume, I'm going to tell you the other things that Jesus continues to do and preach, do and teach through the Holy, he, Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit while Jesus is ascended, seated at, the, seated at the right hand of God. And so 
what I'm saying is that healing is accomplished not through some magic of the Holy Spirit, but when a Christian, in obedience to God, uh, living out their God-given identity and walking in the authority that they are given, um, is living in alignment with God in such a way that the will of the Father, accomplished by the Son, is expressed through the Holy Spirit, through that person, to bring that about. So I, I want to be clear about something. Like, I don't know if I love this idea of there's that. I, I do struggle with that idea of there's that person with the gift of healing. Yes. At the same time, when I look at Jesus, Jesus didn't really think about it. He just did it. Mm -hmm. So they could say of Jesus, go to Jesus. He can heal right, that. Right. So isn't there a tension there of like, I don't want us to have like, oh, again, there's that person. That, But at the same time, I want us walking in a confidence of our authority given to us by Jesus that I can just do that. Like I can just press in. And, and maybe God doesn't sometimes. You know, and that's the other pain point. The pain point comes down to on healing. Um, I don't know if I want to expose myself to the disappointment that comes from God not doing what I ask him to do. Listen, oh, right. you know what I mean? Like I, 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 Steph and I are, I mean, we were in the middle of our, I mean, the, our first miscarriage was happening. We knelt on the ground and, and Zach, we begged God to save that child. And he didn't. Okay. So what could be easy to do is to stop asking. And here's why I stop asking, because I just don't want to be exposed to the disappointment that comes with God doing that. And I felt that. I felt that risk with our second pregnancy and our third and our fourth that ended with us meeting Jack face to face. So it's easier, in a sense, to like not feel the failure, mm -hmm. or not the failure, the disappointment, rather. Yeah. Um, it's easier to not feel the disappointment. And to avoid it. And to avoid it. But at the same time, it's hard because you know that you're on your own. It's yeah. like, it's not easier, but it's hard because you know, like if, if, if the disappointment is always going to come, who else am I going to ask? And isn't that trust? Trust yeah. is hard, especially when it's a person we can't see. That's why I like that line from Peter, though you don't see him, you love him. And you rejoice with a joy that's inexpressible. Hmm. I mean, this is, this is what's hard about walking with Jesus. And I think there's something about the Holy Spirit and reliance on the Holy Spirit. There's something about the Holy Spirit and reliance on the Holy Spirit that is both our birthright and our calling, but also really hard to do because it feels somehow, it feels somehow less, like we're less in control. And so isn't it better just to abandon the gifts? Isn't it better just to stick with the word isn't it better just to avoid those things so that we're not disappointed and that we don't, or on the other end is that we don't end up in wild hootenanny chaos or something like that. And I think, I think that we can be a church that obeys God's word and walks in step with the spirit in a way that um, increases our mission in the world, blesses our community, blesses our neighbors, and helps us to grow in the maturity of Jesus. Yeah, I think too, uh, when, uh, and I'm going to kind of, this might be simple for you, but I want to tax like your Bible knowledge a little bit. Okay. So when it comes to the epistles, it seems to me that a lot of, you hear words like walk with the spirit. Yes. Um, and like when you look in like the grammatical, like it's always like this like passive 
you know these words, but it's like passive something, imperative mood or something. Or something, like or like participles. Or, yeah. yeah, and essentially what I understand that it comes down to is a meaning, that it, when you read these things, like walk with the spirit, yeah, um, or whatever other verb they use, um, it seems to me that what you were just saying is that we're to just kind of let the spirit guide, like do it. Like it's, it's passive on our part. We're to let the spirit lead us into, into being like Christ. I see what you're saying. So there's, there's actually kind of two verbs that tend to be used. And one is be filled by the Holy Spirit or be filled with the Holy Spirit. So okay, that's something yes, that that's happens right. to me. Yes. Right. But then Paul also says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Yes. So one of them, I'm an active participant in the other one. I'm kind of, uh, I achieve the action passively. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the reason that I brought that up is because I, I felt that like what, what I'm trying, what I would, what I imagine our church to be doing is moving towards a little bit more of this humble, quiet reliance Bingo. on the spirit. Bingo. And I think and that's just, what it looks like. Yeah. And I think there's times where I need to stand still and listen. And then there are times when I need to go. Right. And the Bible calls us into a dual relationship. There, there is a quiet, contemplative, humble listening and reliance. And, and there is a, I need to step out in faith, right? And do it. So this is what we see in the book of Acts is Paul intends to go to one place and has a dream where he's invited to go to another Okay, so we had to, you know, there had to be some humility there. And then he had to act on it. He had to, instead of getting on ship A, get on ship B to go to the other place. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and what, it requires what is this, both. What is this told in? This is in the book of Acts. Acts. It's in Acts. And he's suppo- he wants to go to... In, in the spirit, like, forbid, forbade him. Well, there, and that happens a couple times, too. It's like he yeah. tries to go places and the spirit's like, no. Yeah. So then he's staying somewhere. And it's super passive. Yeah. The book of Acts has almost half of the Bible's references to the Holy Spirit, if not more than half. The Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Acts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to call this series Unhindered. Nice. Oh, there you go. So. Yeah. And I think that gets to, like, another thing that I've written down here about the Holy Spirit is do not quench the Holy Spirit. Yes. And I think unhindered. Yes. Do not hinder the Holy Spirit yeah. or quench, right? Yeah. That, that'd be like... Yeah, and of... like in that context of quenching the Holy Spirit, it's like kind of silencing him or... I like the... If you think of quench, what do I quench? I quench a fire. Or thirst. Or I quench a thirst. It's how I... It, it's liquidy. It's a liquidy metaphor. I'm really thirsty and I'm, and I'm going to drink this. Right. Stop it. Yeah, I kind of drown it out. Yeah. And I think actually Paul uses that in terms of do not be drunk. I think he's talking about drunkenness nearby there. Is that in, is that in Ephesians five? Uh, I think no. That's Thess- Thessalonians okay. five nineteen. Because then wow. he says yeah, he's saying test. So this this is like under the ideas of like when I was thinking about prophecy. Yeah. Don't quench don't quench the spirit. Like right. You just if there's a if, there's, if somebody's speaking prophecy right. right. Just go and examine it and right. like see like if what if that is true i think we quench the holy spirit sometimes too by you know mitigating risk mitigating our obedience um i think that makes it more real when you say it like that i think honestly church leadership teams are good at quenching the holy spirit when they kind of jump into meetings without praying 
make a plan and just carry it out. Uh, in today's staff meeting, we were talking about kind of the racial tension. We were talking about events of the last week and the protests and the death of George Floyd on the tail of a few other deaths and then kind of just a long thing and we were processing and I kind of gave our staff, I was like, let's just talk about that for a second. We paused and tarried. we tarried, but I would have almost moved on in conversation had Art not jumped in and prayed, hey Father, like what do you have for us to hear and say today? And it set our meeting off in this really amazing trajectory. I could have quenched the Holy Spirit by just saying, okay, well then I guess we'll go ahead and start talking about our outdoor service then, hmm. you know? Um, well, I missed that staff meeting, so I'm tempted to ask what, what I missed there. But We'll the talk about that another time, time. <laughs> yeah. But I think there's, there's a quenching that comes when we kind of, I think really, honestly, I don't know if this is entirely true. Well, there's some thunder. Whoa. Y'all probably can't hear this, but it's that like shook. Literally, I wonder if that's the sound that happens. Like, is that, is that the X2 sound? Yes, the X2 sound. <laughs> um, I think quenching the Holy Spirit is really what evangelicalism has done by insisting on kind of a Bible emphasis, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible, without a reliance on the Holy Spirit. And I think there is a quenching that takes place, and it's hampered our mission. The, the church in Acts has this reliance on the Holy Spirit that leads to the demonstration of the miraculous, and that causes people to believe. I, I would love, um, who was I listening to? I told you about this once. I was listening to a podcast. Um, Alan Scott, who's at the Vineyard in Anaheim, California. I just like him a lot. And I was listening to him talk about they were doing some prayer ministry and they went out in pairs into the city and um, they started kind of evangelizing and ministering to this woman who ended up being a prostitute and da 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 da. And um, so she, they kind of had a prophetic word for her, I think. And they, um, you know, prayed for her. She accepted Jesus. Well, there was another, there was like two benches back to back. So there's another guy on the other side of the bench. They went around and said, like, how can we pray for you? And he was like, well, I don't really want to talk about that. Da, 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 da. And they were like, well, do you want to talk about the demon that stands in the corner of your bed and keeps the corner of your mm. bedroom and keeps you alive every night? No. Do you want to talk about... Keeps you awake every night? Yeah. Do you want to talk the, the, about the demon that stands in the corner of your bedroom and keeps you awake at night? And the guy immediately was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, they had no reason to know that. And that guy thought it was normal, right? Like, oh. that's what I'm talking about. Right. The guy was staying up in the middle of the night thinking, like, I don't know, other people with anxiety can't sleep because they think there's a person demon in their... Well, or they think there's a presence in their room or... Yeah, you know, he just said, like, oh, I must be making it up or I'm having weird dreams. So they're and they, rationalizing it from, yeah. like, a... And, from and so they prayed for him, cast the demon out, and, like, the guy became a Christian. And so, like, I want that. Yeah. I think that's what... I think that's something that... And I would love for your, Zach, apologetics brain. Because, by the way, in all of the commentary reading I'm doing, they're saying that the Book of Acts has one purpose, and it's apologetics. Hmm. It's an apologetic for the gospel, and it's an apologetic for Paul, and it's an apolog and it's to equip the church in apologetics. So get excited about that. But I would love for your apologetics brain to go wild on what would miracles do in a secular society where all truth is equal, right? And what if like a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power coupled with this really winsome, intelligent, intellectual, biblical, kind of framing of truth, which is exactly what Paul does in Acts 17, is is what 
helps us kind of position ourselves to really see an outpouring of the kingdom in our midst. Y'all, I've just enjoyed this conversation so much with Zach. I love just digging into this stuff with him and with you. You know, the heart behind the Remind podcast is this, that a mind set on the spirit is life and peace. And so as we grapple with some things that are really in their fullness beyond our understanding, I'm so glad that we get to do it together in community. So thanks for listening. Can't wait to be back with you. Grace and peace. Peace.